Hey, thanks for joining us today on Uptime Logistics. It's powered by Cap Logistics, and I'm your host, Doug Draper, with the Denver Transportation Club. We have some amazing guests on today. We're really excited about it. It is 316 Aviation, and although their backdrop looks like they're in New York City, they're actually based in Pembroke Pines, Florida, which is down, uh, down in, the, in the Miami area. So don't let the backdrop fool you guys. Uh, <laughs> So we're going to learn a little bit about 316 Aviation, um, what they do related to uptime logistics, and then really talk about small business involvement and, and how they've navigated uh, the current state of the world and, and COVID. They have some great strategies and we're excited to hear about that. So before we jump into it, I wanted to introduce uh, Stephen and Denise Marin. Um, they are owners of the organization 316 Aviation. So welcome. Appreciate you guys joining us. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Of course. So before we jump into our topic, we like to learn a little bit about our guests, uh, maybe your business, and um, um, just kind of take it from there. So why don't you tell us about your, um, do just that, your business, uh, kind of your backstory would be terrific. Okay. Well, uh, first and foremost, thank you for having us. Um, just to give you a, a little bit background uh, about us personally, um, I obviously wasn't always in the aviation um, business or in the this field so i started out as a low voltage technician in my in my career so basically that was installing satellites and home theaters and stuff like that um denise started out as a uh, as a car sales lady uh, <laughs> before she got into into aviation um so long story short we um the market crashed in 2008 um i needed to get out of the home audio business and home theater business denise was working long hours um, selling cars and she was done selling cars. So she went to another aviation company and she started as a sales assistant. Um, and she was there for roughly four or five years. I ended up meeting, meeting her. We were friends for, for a couple of years before we were ever, before we even um, started out as a couple. Um, and I then got a job at the same location where she was working doing logistics. So she was upstairs doing, sales um and i was downstairs doing packing boxes pretty much um so once once we got together we we were you know working for another company and we decided look let's let's give this a shot at, and to try to do it for ourselves um so we sat down on our couch one day we had already started a family we got married and we was like okay how where do we come up what's what's the name of this aviation company what what do we want to do what do we want to focus our our abilities on so we we came up with 316 aviation um, 316 stands for john 316 um, denise and i are christians um, so what better way to honor god than by naming our company um, after his greatest gift from john 316 for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son um, so and i'm sure most people have heard that <laughs> um, so from there we we started our company we went and started the company out of our living room um, our living room was the sales office our dining room was the um was the warehouse and over the years we went from a dining room to a garage and from a garage we got a little office with a little bit of office space um and uh now six and a half years later um we uh we have grown it and we've got before covid obviously we, we were up to like 13 employees um you know obviously had to scale back a little bit because of the times um but our company basically focuses on the embryer um family embryer 120 embryer 145 and other <laughs> regional aircraft 
Excellent. All right, Denise, you can think about this question because I'm going to ask it again at the end. So in one word, if, if you know it now, you can answer it. But if not, you can answer it at the end. One word, what's it like working with a spouse uh, living and working? So there you go. I can answer it now because we get that question all the time. Do I can it. What it is, now. <laughs> yes, what is it? Um, so we were friends. That was the key, what he said. We were friends before we ever got together as a couple. And so we actually had that time to build that foundation as friends. And mm -hmm. so whenever hard times come or wherever there's a disagreement, we always go back and fall back on our friendship. So honestly, like we love working together. We've been working together since 2010, 10 years. And we like rarely have disagreements. We're always, um, if we do, it's like a quick little heated discussion and then we move on. Like, all right, whatever, let's just move on. So we actually have a lot of fun. We have a lot of fun with it. And I think that that also exudes in what we do here. And the people here love the culture at 316 Aviation. When you ask them, what do you love most about working here? Everyone says like the people and just, um, just the environment and the work culture here. So, and I think that just comes from our relationship together. And our office is on separate side of the so we're not on top of each other yeah. all day every day oh yeah i don't want him like in my office all day <laughs> even right. though i will say during the beginning of the pandemic um a lot of our employees were sent home to work from home um because you know just for safety reasons and so i'm in by myself in like a whole section so he would come he's been coming into my office every day and just working next to me and it just makes it easier than me having to call him 20 times a day which is like shoot ideas back and forth and talk okay what are we doing about this and it's just a lot easier. So he's actually still been working out of my office, you know, through this pandemic. <laughs> I'm a nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> then I'll be like, go get me a snack. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Well, it's a, it's a testament to the success of your business that you've been able to work together starting from, um, you know, a, a dining room table to where you are today. So you guys have made it work. So that's, that's really cool. So let's jump in a little bit about kind of the business that you guys are involved with. I know there's kind of three components that you get involved with and we'll, you know, uh, we'll go into them a little bit, but one of them um, is um, what's called AOG and aircraft on ground, right? I think in your industry, um, there's a lot of uh, uh, terms and, and, and nuances that uh, some, some of our listeners may not know about. So talk about what does AOG mean? And then uh, maybe some of the challenges and things that you guys do to help um, prevent that from happening. Because talk about uptime, you need to make sure that plane is literally in the air uh, an aircraft on ground is is probably the worst phone call you can get. So tell us a little bit about that side of your business. Okay, well, I feel like about maybe 75% of what we do is AOG. Um, a lot of the customers, you know, sometimes they're just like, I don't care where you got to get it from. I don't care what it costs. You need to get this part to me now. Um, so unfortunately, a lot of vendors take advantage of that sometimes and tend to, you know, overcharge or, uh, charge extra fees and a lot of different things that are kind of like almost penalizing the customer for having a broken aircraft. So one of the main things here is we always uh, try to make it a point like we don't charge AOG fees. We don't charge you an after hour fee just because your aircraft broke down. Um, we are going to do whatever it takes to get that part to you. Um, we are available 24-7. If you call us, you're not going to get a voicemail. You are going to get either me or whoever is my backup on the phone and we're gonna make it happen. If we don't have the part in stock, we're gonna say, hey, do you want me to find this part for you? Because I can save you time. I'll call the different vendors that need to be called instead of you having to call around. Because a lot of times like we know who to call, we know who's available. We have the phone numbers to the owners of the companies where maybe they're not answering the main line. Um, so when it comes to that, a lot of the customers are like, yeah, yeah, just, just do it for me. So 
uh, pretty much it's a really big, um, you know, responsibility because these people's jobs sometimes rely on you getting that part there on time um, because their boss is like, hey, I got an aircraft full of people that already paid for their tickets and now it's broken down. The aircraft sitting on the tarmac and we're waiting for uh, for a, a part that needs to go, you know, so they're counting on you and their their livelihood depends on it just like everybody else that's sitting on their aircraft. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you may have business professionals that are, that are waiting to get to an important meeting or whatever the case may be. Yep, yeah. I've had multiple customers tell me my job is writing on this. I need you to get this to me on time. So number, so number two, quality is very important because you got to make sure that you're getting them what it is that they are actually buying and make sure that you're not making a mistake on it. Make sure that you stay on top of it, not just like, hey, I got it on the way, I'm going back to sleep. Like we've been up sometimes all night, you know, till six in the morning, just making sure that that part gets there. And it's not just one AOG. In times where it's busy, we might be handling five, six, seven AOGs at the same time. So it definitely gets very intense. Um, I like to call it a little bit of controlled chaos and that's what we love and that's what we're used to. So obviously during these COVID times, it has slowed down a little bit. And even though it's still been a little busy at times, but it's like, no, 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 I like the chaos. I like the controlled chaos. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So whenever you uh, are calling around, right? So there's an Embry that's down and, and you need a, a flux capacitor widget to keep that thing up and running and you're calling around. So you track somebody down, say in Houston, Texas, and they have the part. Um, who's responsible for the transportation to get it from that location to the, to the plane? Are you, do, do you just uh, allow the vendor that has the part to take care of that? Or you guys jump in? Tell me about how you guys manage that parts movement if it's not physically in your warehouse. So a lot of times um, the customer may already have an account like set up with, you know, Cap Logistics and they might say, hey, um, I've got an account, just go ahead and call these guys to move it. Now, most vendors or some vendors, and again, not saying anything bad about anyone else, it's just a lot of times people leave the customers to their own devices. They might say, hey, all right, here you go. You know, it's ready for pickup. Go ahead and do your thing. Um, we like to take off as much responsibility and as much workload off of the customer as we can. So I actually tell them, hey, give me your account number. I'll get it moving for you. I'll give you all the information on what the setup. So More of like a turnkey operation. Exactly. So I'll call. I'll set it up. I'll give them the information. I'll track it. You know, I do all of that. Um, now, sometimes I've had customers say, hey, I don't have an account. Can you can you make this happen for me? I'm like, yeah, sure. I've got accounts set up with American Airlines, Delta, you know, cab logistics, all that. So I will call them and set it up on my account. And then I will bill, you know, the customer for it. We've even had, uh, I remember a couple of years ago on January 1st, he flew out to Missouri and took a $200 Uber just to get a part to an airport because there was no, um, the counters were closed for the counter to counter was closed because it was a holiday. And they were like, we need this part here today. So we sent him on a flight to Missouri and, and he, uh, he didn't have a car there. The rental was going to actually cost more. So we're like, just take an Uber, man. Take an Uber. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had the Uber wait there for me so I can drop off the part. I actually missed the eclipse. <laughs> that was back Oh, the that eclipse. was the eclipse. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, I remember that. That's right. So again, we'll, we'll do whatever it takes. Like that's just literally our motto is we will do whatever it takes. We have driven, we've had our drivers go through, literally driving through a hurricane um, to go drop off parts in Orlando, you know? So it's, uh, I mean, as long as it's safe, <laughs> we, we try to do whatever it is to get. And, and, and that's the thing. That's why customers come back to us because they trust us because if they know that they can trust you, when it's critical, they'll trust you with little things that aren't so critical. They'll trust you with bigger things because you are trustworthy with smaller things or with things that are of, you know, where time is of the essence. Right. Yeah, that makes good sense. Where there's a will, there's a way. 
and uh, and Uber can can help that for sure. So that's, that's, right. <laughs> that's cool. We talked a little bit about the the spare parts piece of it. We'll kind of jump into that a little bit. Obviously, you have a facility down in Florida that um, has spare parts on its own. Um, it, do you guys manage a single parts depot down there, or or do you have let's say forwarding warehouses in other parts of the country? You know, an, an AOG in California, and your you know the product may be you may literally have it in your warehouse, but it may be beneficial to the client to pull it out of some place that's closer to California. How do you manage the spare parts specifically to stuff that you have in your building um, and things that you may need to uh, purchase and, and source from other folks? How does that work? Okay. So basically we have a, a facility here that houses all our parts. Um, we're, I guess for lack of a better term, control freaks, we'd like to be able to. <laughs> in a good way. Yeah. We, we yeah. like, we like to be able to control our parts um, and, and, be able to put our hands on it. That way we have control over paperwork, um, the quality of the parts, make sure things are, are being kept, um, you know, properly at the end of the day. It's all about quality. Correct. Right? It's all about quality at the end of the day. Um, when it comes to outsourcing or putting things in remote locations, um, before, again, COVID keeps coming back up. Before COVID, we had plans to put in things and put in having a warehouse out on the, uh, on the West Coast because we have customers out there. So it makes it easier to basically have the strategic um, list of parts that are on the west coast to, to help facilitate those AOGs and minimize downtime for for our clients on the on that side of the earth um, but you know that those things kind of took us a back seat or back burner because of the whole COVID situation but uh, yeah that's uh that was one of our uh one of our longer term goals yeah. mm -hmm. um, we are yeah I mean it, it is a good idea though to have like a forwarding warehouse, especially if you have a lot of customers in a specific region, because then boom, someone can go grab the part, could even possibly drive it to your customer or the, the flight is shorter um, for sure. Now, as far as drop shipments go, um, we don't like to do those as much because you lose the quality aspect where now you're having to rely on someone else that you haven't trained, someone that doesn't work for you and hoping that they ship the right part, hoping that they ship the right paperwork. Um, so it gets a little tough. But so we we try to request as much information as we can. Like, hey, can I get pictures of the park? Can I get a uh, plate? You know, a picture of the data plate. Can I get um, a copy of the eighty-one thirty? Because I want to make sure that I, I'm, I'm going to be held responsible for mm -hmm. whatever arrives there. My customer doesn't care that it was drop shipped. They're like, I ordered it from you. This is what I got. So that's very important for us that we and and we tend to stick with vendors that do right by us, just like our customers stick by us we stick with vendors as well that that you know when we need them they're there yeah yeah well obviously you don't you know it's very um refreshing in your transparency with with not taking advantage of situations and gouging clients and obviously having that that trust with your vendors because hey if i can buy this for fifty dollars from this guy or seventy dollars from that guy but i have a relationship there every day of the week you're going to pay the seventy dollars right that's just right. the way it goes so right. um, and parts yeah and go parts ahead Excuse me, parts shouldn't cost more just because it's the weekend. So a lot of people take advantage of that AOG or, you know, just because it's after hours, like, okay, on Monday through Friday, that part would cost X amount. So why shouldn't it cost the same amount on Saturday and Sunday? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah, for sure. So um, let's talk a little bit about uh, the repair management, right? So we spoke about AOG and what that is. And, and then we've gone into how you manage spares and the spare report. Uh, support, excuse me. And then you have the repairs, right? So uh, talk a little bit about how you guys approach repairs. So obviously there's a broken piece out there. Are you 
um, requesting that to come back in and, and you refurbish it and put it back on the shelf. Uh, talk a little bit about how you manage the repair parts of your business. So for repairs, basically, we, um, we obviously deal with a lot of, uh, of different clients and they, they have an airline to run. And a lot of times what happens is parts are broken and they put them into a, a quarantine room or a, a, a room that basically houses all the parts that, that are unserviceable. So basically, we go through and say, hey, look, we can offer you a turnkey operation so, or a turnkey repair management um, service. So it basically it is a service that you have one point of contact. Um, we use our strategic relationship with other repair stations to, to get them discounts, discounts that, okay, they necessarily wouldn't get because they're only sending maybe one or two parts to a certain repair station versus us. We have relationships with them. So we're constantly sending them parts from many different um, airlines. So we're able to offer them discounts. Um, Sometimes we're able yeah. to get like uh, evaluation fees waived. Correct. So like if you're an airline and you send your part to this repair station and you decide not to move forward with the repair, they might charge you a $500 evaluation fee. But if you send it through me, you might not get charged anything because I've already cut a deal with them to not charge the evaluation fee because I'm promising them volume. I'm like, I'm going to send you a ton of stuff every month or whatnot. Or I might say, Hey, my customer wants to get this repaired, but they don't want to pay for it right now. Can we do a program? You know, things like that. So um, like Stephen was saying, uh, we, the goal here is if you're a purchasing person and you don't have time to do purchasing, you don't have time to do repairs. You just send me the box of parts that you have. We will, you know, do an intake on them. We will find the best repair stations for them and we will go from there. Now I can't show all of our secrets, <laughs> but at the end of the day, sometimes the repairs end up being a lot less, even with our little markup, it ends up being a lot less if you would have sent them in directly. Cool. Well, we're talking with uh, Steve and Denise Marin with 316 uh, Aviation Company. And as I'd mentioned, they're down in Pembroke Pines, not in New York City, but uh, <laughs> we, we appreciate your involvement. So we're going to pivot a little bit here and talk about um, COVID, obviously, um, we had mentioned that a little bit, but as a small business, you know, you guys have had some good strategies when we spoke offline about how you're doing to, uh, to maintain, keep your uh, customers employed and, and importantly, uh, keep your clients up, uh, up and running in uptime. So talk about some of the strategies that you've developed, um, uh, come hook or crook, right? I mean, it was bam, right in our face and you got to react and move quickly. So I know there's some clients out there and some small businesses that are listening to us. So talk about some of those strategies related to COVID that enabled you to, to, to maintain over the last couple of months. Okay. Um, well, I'll tell you this. The first thing, COVID really hit hard here in mid-March um, down here in Florida when they started putting the you know orders in and whatnot. Um, the first thing we did as a company is we sat down and we came up with, a, we called it a COVID uh, pandemic business plan. And we basically created different phases, almost like kind of like the government was saying, hey, phase one, phase two. So we did that internally. Mm -hmm. And we were like, okay, phase one, if this happens, we're going to move on to do this. If this happens, we're going to do this and so on and so forth. At this point, we pretty much had to employ or deploy all of those phases. You know, you want to look at your bills. What bills do you have that are just maybe things that you wanted to have around or you felt like oh this is just something i don't really need this but i mean i'm just throwing something out there like let's just say you've got a, a monthly bill for a water softener like you know those are things that do you really need that um so you you as a small business you have to look and think okay what are the bills that i have that 
you know, we don't need right now. One of the things we looked at as well is, for example, we have about 15 different phone lines and the people working from home aren't using those phone lines. So let's put a pause on those phone lines. We're paying monthly on those phone lines. Um, you know, yeah, basically get strategic about your overhead. What, what is it that you need to cut out to that you don't necessarily need to keep the doors open? Correct. That's one thing. Now that's more like looking at overhead costs. Um, you know, maybe split your rent in half, pay half of it in the beginning of the month, pay the other half at the end of the month, talk to your landlord, you know, see what they're doing. Um, that's again, that's more related to overhead costs. Now, when it, uh, if you're a small business, if you do, if you do commissions, if you do bonuses, you might want to put a pause on those and keep people, keep people employed as much as you can and keep their hours as much as you can, but maybe cut all out all the extras and honestly, be honest with your team because a lot of times people employees sometimes don't understand what the owners are going through so it's important for you to be honest and tell them hey this is what we're dealing with and this is the current situation and this is our goal our goal is to keep you all employed like you guys are our family and you are our number one priority so we're going to do everything in our power to make sure that everyone remains employed now as far as like dealing with customers and vendors when it comes to customers the first thing we did was we reached out to all of our customers that are consistent and buy from us frequently. And we asked them, how are you guys doing? What's going on? What are the plans? How can we partner with you? How can we help you make this situation easier for, for you? Mm-hmm. A lot of our customers asked for extended terms. They said, hey, we have an open bill with you. Can you give us another 30 days? We, everybody who asked, we did. Um, some customers said, can you create a special pricing program for us? we actually created a special exchange pricing. So if they were coming in for certain rotables, we started to say, hey, look, instead of being $1,000, we're gonna charge you $500. And we created a special uh, Excel sheet with the top parts that they buy. We sent it to them and we said, this pricing is good through the end of 2020. Um, So you guys know. Now, um, as far as, again, checking in on them, this is not the time to sell. People don't have money. People are not looking to spend, they're looking to save money. So it's like, what can I do? to help you save money. Um, so it's a good time to call your customer, check in on them, let them know you're there for them. I've actually done a lot of things for my customers recently that were free. Um, you know, people be like, oh, well, that's kind of dumb. But no, it's not because we have a relationship and I don't have to make money every time we get on the phone. So a lot of times they're like, hey, I can't find this part. And I'm like, you know what? It's it's a $100 part. It's a you know $1,000 part. Um, this vendor has it, just go direct. I'm not gonna mark you up right now um, on this part. Now, when it comes to dealing with vendors, um, I will say, like I said in our conversation, there are two different types of vendors. You know, you got the big companies, you got the Honeywells, the Bombardiers, you got the Embraers, and then you got smaller companies, you got smaller MROs. And a lot of the larger companies um, got very concerned, rightfully so, because we are in the middle of a pandemic. A lot of customers held on to their money bags and stopped paying their bills or slowed down on their payments. Um, so that also in turn affects a lot of small businesses trying to pay their bills because they still, they've obviously given net terms to these customers, the customer's not paying, and now you still owe the bill. And your vendor's like, hey, where's my money? So I think that in aviation, a lot of vendors need to just be more merciful and more lenient with their customers, as long as there's communication, as long as you're being honest and say, hey, we're completely dead. We have nothing going on. Or we, we can send you $500 a week. We can send you $1,000 a week. Be honest with your vendors and come up with a plan and, and just constantly communicate with them and let them know 
what it is that's going on. And we've done that with our vendors. There were some vendors that we were like, hey, we're going to, if you can give us a little discount, we're going to pay you in full. Or, hey, can we, can we pay that invoice in two parts, you know? So those are some things that we've done to extend our cash flow while we wait for customers to pick up and obviously uh, pay their bills. Now, we've also received new incoming business. So that has helped a lot to pay some of those bills down. It's helped a lot to keep the company afloat. Um, but as a small business, that would be something that I, you know, again, come up with a game plan. If you're, if you, we've been in this pandemic now for five months. If you're a small business and you're watching this and you're thinking of giving up, you know, first look at all these different things you can do. Maybe there's something you haven't thought of, something you can cut out. My biggest thing is, you know, a lot of vendors, we did talk about that. A lot of vendors came out and immediately slashed terms from customers, uh, from other vendors, and didn't even give them a, an opportunity, didn't even ask, how are you doing financially? What's going on? They just immediately slashed it. And, I, and I'll be honest with you, customers are going to remember that. Mm -hmm. When this pandemic is over, they're going to remember who was there for them, and they're going to remember who helped them through, through these hard times. So yeah. um, if you're one of those vendors, reconsider maybe calling your customers and finding out what they're doing and what they're going through. And, you know, we, another thing we've done, and if it, it might help small businesses is we do have a lot of net terms for our customers. We did not take their net terms away. What we did though, is we said, look, if we've got to go out and buy something for you and we don't have it in stock, we set a limit. We set a weekly limit as to how much we're willing to prepay per customer, because that way, you know, we don't have three customers sending us $50,000 orders that we have to go out and buy, you know? Right. So that's something else that we, we, we did that kind of towards the end of the pandemic because we were kind of waiting it out, waiting it out a little bit. Okay, look, we're, we're having to pay a lot of things up front for customers, but are they really paying us on time? If the answer is no, then you want to maybe set a limit to their terms or set a limit to how much you're willing to prepay. The items in stock, it's different because we've already paid for those. They're already in stock. Um, so those are some things, you know, again, that has helped us. Um, right. I do feel that we've been in business for six and a half years. I don't feel like we're going to go out of business. I don't feel like we're going anywhere. Times are hard, but we're not going to give up and we're not, aviation isn't going to go away. It's yeah. going to take a little bit to come back. My personal prediction is that things will come back roaring by next spring. But again, that's my personal prediction. And I just, uh, I just tell people, hang in there. Do what you got to do. This too shall pass. Yep, this will pass. <laughs> Guess what? The, the pandemic of 1918 lasted two to three years, but eventually everything went back to normal. Yeah. Everything went back to normal. People were not wearing masks. Businesses picked up. Um, well, there was the Great Depression. But that's, let's <laughs> ignore that. After the Great Depression, yeah. things went back to normal. And 9-11 happened. Aviation was hit for a couple years things went back to normal. So this is a very low moment in the Valley right now, but eventually we're going to all be back on the mountaintop. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Hey, Stephen, you made a comment there that um, struck home. You said this too shall pass. I have an 18 year old daughter who wrote in her room a sign that simply said this too shall pass. And I'm like, oh. wow, that's a pretty, pretty uh, amazing comment to come from a teenager. So I just, that caught my attention. And the other thing, Denise, when you said people don't want to be sold right now, I can't underscore how important that is because you're going to turn somebody off in two seconds when your solution to the problem is to try to sell them more stuff and not necessarily be, um, you know, a partner. So I think what you just said there is, is paramount. So I appreciate that. Um, one more question that I had for you guys, because there are opportunities that come in situations like this. Um, 
passenger traffic is down, but cargo traffic is up. And I know that was something we spoke about, how you've pivoted and, and how supporting cargo airlines um, may be different than, than passenger airlines. I don't know if there is a big difference or if the sense of urgency with an AOG is any different. But on our, our final comments, talk a little bit about um, that business and how that's grown for you and what that's mean for your business. I will say the, um, the cargo business tends to have a little bit less AOGs because they can kind of schedule their cargo around, you know, they might have to like leave today, but it's not like you don't have 50 angry people waiting for you, you know, it's just the boxes. So um, the cargo business, honestly, it hasn't really picked up for us that much. It's been about the same. Um, also, I have talked to a lot of my cargo com uh, customers and they've actually resorted to parting out other aircraft. So that's kind of sad news for vendors because, you know, it's sad for them too because they're losing an aircraft technically speaking, but also for vendors because they're, they're less needed. So a lot of the cargo people are like, hey, we need a part. I'm not going to pay $3,000 for this part. I'm going to take it off my plane. I'll figure it out later. So that's happening a lot. A lot of airlines are doing that. I've talked to a lot of people and that's kind of what they're resorting to. And that's why things are so slow too, because you've got a lot of different things going on. Passenger travels down. A lot of borders are still closed. You've got customers parting out their aircraft. You've got um, people getting more creative, shopping around more, um, you know, so. Because they have a lot more time on their hands. So now they're able to manage their own repairs. They're able to go out and source. They're able, they're able to go out and source their own parts before, you know, they were busy running the airline. Now they're, most of the aircrafts are, are stopped. So they're either cannibalizing, like she said, cannibalizing their aircraft, or they have the, enough time to go out Correct. and do all this shopping themselves. Correct. Excuse me. You got a little He's living. <laughs> um, also, you know, uh, you know, I'm always taking care of. <laughs> we're not we're not editing that one out. Don't worry. <laughs> it's okay, it's okay. Um, but like you said, they have they have a lot of pressure from their boss to save money yep. because if they're saving the company money, they're more likely to keep their job right now. Sure. Um, so that's I've actually heard that multiple times from different people. Like, you got to help me on this because my boss is writing me. My boss is uh, on me to get the best deal. So we're just we're. My philosophy is like, yes, I am going to help you. Yes, I'm going to give you the best price. But as a company too, this is not the time to give all your stuff away either. Because remember, you do have cost in your parts. So there's been some items where we're like, yeah, we can let that go at cost. Or we've, you know, we've already put, that part's been sitting there for a year. You know, why not? Um, but like Steven said, yeah, this, it's, it's a lot of people are getting very creative. Also remember too, a lot of places are shut down still. A lot of states are not doing large groups. So conferences are down. Uh, there's no conferences going on. There's no business travel. So all that stuff is affecting the, there's less flights, you know, there's less things overall. So there's a lot of things that need to happen for things to get back to normal, starting with the fact that the states need to fully reopen. I'm not saying that it's appropriate to do it right this second, but that those things have to happen. The borders have to open um, and things have to get to somewhat normal before you see that normalcy in your day-to-day -day business, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's terrific. You know, I wrote down a couple of, of words. Number one, friendship. That's how your business got started, right? Denise, you mentioned that. Uh, the trust factor you have with your vendors and the transparency you have with your customers, right? Those three things um, had just jumped out at me during our conversation and you exude all three of those for sure, which means you guys are positioned correctly and going to have a very successful successful future. So I just want to thank both of you for joining us today. It's been very enlightening to learn about your business and also your strategies uh, in this trying time. So thank you for joining us. And I want to thank our audience for joining us today on Uptime Logistics.
Obviously, it's powered by Cap Logistics, and you can find more information about the show at the description below. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the channel, and please visit caplogistics.com for all of your transportation solutions. Thanks again for joining us. Everybody have a great day.